0: like to read this to you. It's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever read. It shows how their hearts are open, with, filled with love for God and, under, and that they have understanding. Dear everyone, Dave and I want to thank you so much for the beautiful flower arrangement and all the good wishes and prayers during our son Sean's illness and death. Although, from a human standpoint, bearing two children within 18 months and watching suffering is painful indeed, knowing that life is being experienced made it also a privilege. We feel so fortunate to have had nine wonder-filled months with Sean and have no regrets. Cradling one's child is a joy beyond words. We all are allowed to enjoy the presence of those whom we love for varying lengths of time. With Sean, it was shorter than we would have liked but worth every moment. As parents, we grieve for the loss of our child. But as fellow souls, we were truly blessed to be a vehicle for such a powerful, blessed one who had some karma to work out, as did we, and to depart in peace. Grieve not for us. We are at peace and feel enriched because Sean touched our lives. Thank you for your love. Kaushin Zai. Isn't that beautiful? I want to read to you this morning from a book In His Presence by Eva Bell Werber. The title of this one is Still the Temple. Still the Temple, the Holy of Holies in your heart, that I, the King on the throne, may be given full power as you live your day, and that I may have full use of the body I have given you for my holy purpose. So many hold me back from my true functioning because they give all power to the physical. When there is one through whom my power can flow unhindered, it is as the tide of the mighty ocean as it sweeps the shore, carrying all things before it. So shall you, my beloved, in the coming days feel this power. You shall wonder often as you work, seemingly without effort or will of your own. This shall not occur through any power of the personal self, but by allowing the creative force of the Holy Spirit to function in and through you. In this way shall my power be released in the universe, so that all men will be conscious of a law higher than man-made laws, and the earth shall indeed show forth my glory. Amazing that Charlie played the chants or the hymns that he did this morning because no matter how many times we repeat the Lord's Prayer, we always find something new, something wonderful in us. Our Bible reading this morning is from Matthew 6, beginning with verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest these alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the power and glory of God. This is a tremendous chapter. It tells us that Everything that we do should be done in secret. That is the giving of arms, the good that we do for people. In other words, we don't do it so that we may get loud acclaim. We don't go advertising it around all over the place. But rather, we keep it within ourselves. We go as God directs us to go. We give, we do as God directs, directs directs us. To give and to do. I remember years ago, and I'm sure you're all familiar with it too, reading a book, it was Dr. Hudson's uh, Journal. And this doctor did a tremendous amount of good for humanity. But whenever he did anything for anybody, he demanded a promise from them that they would tell no one of what he had done for them. When the doctor finally passed on, family after family, individual after individual, lauded his name and gave him grace. Because he had gone into the homes, into the minds, and into the hearts of all of those with whom he came in contact. And he had given them freely of the love of God within himself. He had given freely of whatever God gave to him. And he had told no man. He had asked everyone to be silent. Now everybody doesn't do that. They love to tell about what has been done for them. But just think. If you yourself were to keep on giving and doing, secretly, silently, just for the love of God, how wonderfully great that power would build within you. It's an interesting thing here. It says, therefore, when thou doest thine on, do not sound the trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. And yet we see people standing on street corners today, uh, doing, speaking of God, trying to um, get people to come in and believe as they believe. Now in one sense there's nothing wrong about this, this spreading the word of God. But yet, are they really doing any good? Man must be directed within his own heart, his own mind, his own soul as to what path he is to follow, what particular teacher he is to follow. He is to decide for himself whether or not that one has the truth, that one may have the truth and he may reject it, not being ready for it or that particular one not being his ordained teacher or preordained, I should say. But he has that right, that inalienable right, to walk whatever path he chooses. But he will not walk any path until, possibly, his suffering is great enough or his longing is great enough, his loneliness is great enough that he may find the need for God. I read a story about some people who came along they saw a man sitting under a tree and they said to him have you seen this creature that dwells in the tree some of the others that were with him spoke up oh yes I have seen him the man said I too have seen him and somebody said what color was he well one said green one said yellow one said red one said brown and so on the man sitting under the tree said I have seen him, and he is all of these things, and yet he is colorless. That man alone knew what that animal was like. That was a chameleon. I looked up in the dictionary, and the definition of a chameleon is any of a group of lizards, especially those characterized by the great, um, greatly developed power of changing the color of the skin very slow locomotion, and they have a projectile tongue, an inconstant person. When you stop to think about it, almost every human being is like a chameleon. <laughs> we change our colors almost every moment of our lives according to our thoughts, according to what comes at us, according to what is required of us. We change our color and our thoughts. And therefore we are inconstant. Just imagine that we have the same power as the communion, but yet we don't like to be compared to an animal, do we? We're very slow in our locomotion from the standpoint that we are very slow in desiring to go to God all of the way. We don't want to give up the earthly pleasures. And yet are they truly pleasures? The things that we waste our time in seeing and thinking and doing, in gossiping, all of this sort of thing. Are we really having pleasure? Are we really making anything of ourselves when we do this? You will notice that I am stressing a lot lately <clears throat> on the fact that we talk too much. Now, if we keep God's name upon our lips, if we talk about His truth, His wonder, His glory, This is a wonderful and a good thing. And if we keep his name ever in our consciousness, this is a good thing. If we turn ourselves over to him every morning when we awaken and dedicate our day to him, every single thought, word, and action to be lived through him, for him, by him, in his form that he has made, then it is a good thing. It says that he's very slow in motion, and he has a projectile tongue, and that's exactly what we have. And because of that, then the last definition holds true: We are an inconstant individual. This is it not true when you really look at it. We go up and down and back and forth. Why? Some of us live in fear. We're afraid to make a decision because. We are afraid to be alone with ourselves. If we had realized that real self or God within us, we need have no fear. Remember that the Christ said, Lo, I am with you always. He is everything there is. He is the power, the presence, the consciousness, the will, the everythingness of our own being in every single way. Somebody handed me something not too long ago. It says, my body is on temporary loan to the universe, but my soul belongs to the permanent collection. <laughs> now that is absolutely true. Absolutely true. We're on temporary loan to the universe. Don't you realize that the life, the power, the intelligence, which you call you, this little I, Is actually God manifesting through the Christ within each and every single individual on this earth. He is in in every tiny atom of space, in every single form, because everything in creation is a part of himself. We call this manifestation of God's wonderful universe, his creation, but in fact it is merely an expression of that which he already is. And no matter where you look, no matter who you look at, if you will only think, God is there. God is in that form standing before me, no matter what is coming out of them, And you realize that within yourself. How can you say anything against God and hope to get away with it? You can't, you know. Because the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, Is exact there is no getting away from it for every action there is an opposite and equal reaction now when you get into this idea of wanting the truth look first within yourself because God and the kingdom of heaven are within now he is everywhere equally present without but he is within it says When ye pray, use not vain repetition. In other words, let the prayers come from your heart. Anything that you do, if it be, and we are all creators in sense, we are all co-creators with God through Christ. Let it come from the depths of your being. Listen for His voice of direction. If you want to write a song, don't take it from somebody else's uh, idea. Or from their melody but rather go within yourself and listen and you will find that you will find the melody from the universal uh, choir that will come forth through you that the words the music will be given to you when you sit down to draw a picture think of what God wants you to express and he will develop that gift which he has given to you and express all of his wonder his beauty his glory If you write anything, then write from your heart, your mind, your soul. Don't be a copy artist. It's amazing when you start to practice, no matter what work you do, you are creating. Let it be from the depths of your mind, your heart, your soul, from God. Listen for His voice of direction. Do everything that you do, not for the almighty dollar, not for yourself, for your family or to gain praise and glory, but do it for God, for His praise, for His glory. Because if it were not for that constant power that goes through you, that constant intelligence which is poured into your brain, you truly of yourself could do nothing. He says, Be not ye therefore unlike like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Isn't that interesting? We're always praying to God, give me this, give me that. The only thing we need is Him. We need Him every moment of our lives, but we need to recognize the fact that we need Him above all others. Think of the radiant Christ. Think of Him as being your soul, that your particular spark of God, your particular spirit from God, your particular cell that is a part of the body of God. Think of those things. He knows every minute what you are thinking, saying, or doing. You cannot escape Him. You cannot do acts in secret and expect to get away with them from God because you take Him with you wherever you go into every thought, word, and action of your life. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name should be, it is holy, and it should be upon your lips every waking moment until it isn't necessary to keep it on your lips because of its own volition. It goes inside and repeats itself. Have you ever had the experience of having a tune go through your head all of a sudden, and it will have been playing itself over and over again, and you haven't even been conscious of it until through its very repetition. You become conscious of the fact that you're thinking of a song. And then you think, My Lord, what are you trying to tell me? What are the words of that song? I remember that happening to me, and it still happens to me every now and then. And it goes over and over, and I strive and strive trying to think of what it is. I remember years ago this happened to me. This is a a little bit on the personal side, but anyway, uh, years ago I went to a doctor. And he became very fond of me, at least he um, showed evidence of that. And he was a chiropractor. I was down on the table and I said to him, I was planning a trip to India, I don't know what I'm going to do about going on this trip without a chiropractor to take care of my back. That's always my problem, I think, of chiropractors. And <clears throat> so um, he put his face down alongside of mine and he said, Well, God is making it uh, possible for me to go with you. There's a, a group of us that are going to India, and he said, maybe I'll go. And he was very lovey-dovey, so we say? And I thought, wow. <laughs> so anyway, I got up to the table as soon as possible, and I don't think I went back. <laughs> but that very night, a tune started humming through my head over and over and over again. And I tried with everything I could to remember um, the words. And finally, just striving with everything I have, the words came. And guess what the name of the song was? The Pagan Love Song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He was letting me know about that one. (laughs) And it happens many times. If you'll only listen, you know, you might keep yourself. It could also have been the one uh, what was the temptation, you remember, years ago? <laughs> anyway, he's very good looking, to <laughs> But I resist the temptation. All right. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And you will notice that in the St. James Version it says, in earth as it is in heaven. Now you do not find that in the Catholic Bible. It's on earth. But if God and the kingdom of heaven are within, so is hell, and so it is in the earth of your own being, and in the heaven of your own being, that these things uh, all happen. In other words, everything that is in here, as Jesus himself said to his disciples, to you, it is given to know the mysteries or the truth, but to others in parables, because they're not yet ready to know. They wouldn't know what to do with them. They might harm them. It might harm them. As a matter of fact, if they were to find a method of using powers or something of this nature has happened. You've got to learn control in the things that you do and the techniques that you practice. So the Lord has said to us that he wants it in the earth of our own being the same as it is in the heaven of our own being. And we always think of heaven as being the perfect place It is a state of higher consciousness. When it says that Jesus went up into the mountain to pray, he didn't always climb a mountain on the outside, although he could have done that too, because the mountaintop is a wonderful place to pray and to meditate. I went up on the sunrise side of uh, Mount Rainier one time and sat and meditated and left my body just like that. It was beautiful because I was above the whole world, and I just forgot the world and prayed to him. Give us this day our daily breath. And we think always of the things that we put in our stomach. We spend more time worrying about food than we rightfully should, believe me. True, this body needs nourishment. You cannot operate the engine, any engine, without putting fuel in it or without hooking it up to electricity or turning a hand crank. It has to have Motion; It has to have something to provide the fuel by which it moves. You have to do that. So it's very important to feed the body, but it's also important to go on a fast occasionally. But in this busy world, I would say mostly that a day at a time, which is what my guru recommended, one day a week is adequate. It cleans out your system. Everybody is doing the lemonade diet now because Mother started it. (laughs) <laughs> no matter what book I read no matter what I go on everybody else follows after the bookstores do a tremendous business on economy <laughs> I tell you, so do the grocery stores <laughs> anyway it is important that you put fuel into your body but it is important that you put the right fuel into your body eat the right food and don't overeat we are too apt and I'm guilty of this too we are too apt to eat sweets and breads and things that are not good for us. Of course, I have an excuse. I'm invited out all the time. And I have to eat what's put before me. But sometimes I get to choose, and I choose the wrong thing, too. But that's my only sin. I'm <laughs> entitled the the one. That's the only thing that keeps me here. <laughs> and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I read an interesting story just recently in Joel Goldsmith's um, book, uh, see, what it? The Spiritual Journey of Joel Goldsmith by Lorraine Sinkler, and uh, he told a story about a man who came to him and he was absolutely broke. He was a very clever architect, he had a lot to offer, but it was during the uh, Depression and he was out of work. He was out of money. Someone owed him $150. So he came to Joel Goldsmith and asked him if he would pray uh, for this money to be given back to him, this man particularly who owed him $150. Joel Goldsmith said, no, I'm not Well, that was rather a shock to the man. He said, let us sit quietly for a moment and pray. So they both sat quietly for a moment, put their minds on God, and prayed. And Joel Goldsmith opened his eyes and he said to him, do you remember that place in the Lord's Prayer where it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors? He said, you're still depending on a man for your supply. Why do you not forgive him his debt? Forget that he owes you at all. And go forth into the world, depending upon God alone for your suffering. The man was amazed. But he said, you mean that all the time I haven't been, even though I prayed for God, that my debts may be uh, those who only may pay them so that I can pay my debts? He said, but actually it is God that I must look to for my supply all the time. And Joel Goldsmith said, said yes. So the, they sat a few moments again in prayer and meditation. The man went forth. And he wrote the man and told him he didn't owe him any money anymore, that he forgave him his debt. He wrote it off. Well, that very evening he got a call asking if he was a man who had made the design for Christian Science Church some years ago. And he said, yes. And he said, well, we're ready to go ahead with it now. And that was the beginning. And money came into him and came into him and came into him. because he forgave, this man, his debt. If you give expecting returns, certainly all of us should pay our debts. But during the Depression, it wasn't possible probably for the man who owed him to pay his debt. So he was in the same condition, which Joel Goldsmith reminded him. So just by putting your full trust in God, all of the money that you need is given unto you. Every single need that you have is taken care of without any question of doubt. We each have a depth, one to the other. We have a depth to be loving, to be kind, to be gracious, to be helpful. You know, there was a man came to a, a wise saint in India. And he said to him, how do you uh, serve God best? How do you know God? He said, by giving a drink of water to a thirsty person by giving a drink of water to a thirsty person. And he said, how do you know when the person is thirsty? He said, when he has forgotten the world and he thirsts for God alone. This is a beautiful story. When he thirsts for God alone. So if we would forgive people and put our full trace as trust in God. It would work out so beautifully for us. So very, very beautifully. We would open up channels that we have never even dreamed of. I have told you before how this happens to me. And I'm not talking about the alms I give for that purpose. Because I give too many and I do the same. Dr. Hutchins, please don't tell anybody that I gave it to you or that I helped you. Because I want to get the reward, you know, in heaven. <laughs> But you will notice also that although it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors in this particular Bible, in the Catholic Bible it says, forgive us our transgressions as we forgive those who have transgressed against us. Now each of us owe a debt to the other, and that debt is a debt of love, of understanding, of kindness. But also, we transgress on other people's territory. We do that through our speech, our thoughts, our words, our actions. We're always interfering. We transgress. We take things which don't belong to us, whether they be material or ideas or whatever. We transgress. So it's an interesting thing to weigh the difference between the two Bibles and how they have changed from one way of saying things to the other. It's interesting to know, too, that the Catholic Bible has 29 more books in it than the Protestant Bible. And if, as everybody says, this Bible is the word, the truth of God, and it says in the last chapter of Revelations that no word in this book should be changed, and it tells what will happen if you do. Still, 29 books were removed. Who put them in the first place? when there were only just a few put together in the year 400 and called the Biblia or the Bible. These were, these were just a few of the Gospels that were taken from the Jewish Scriptures and put together and called the Biblia. It's an amazing thing what we come up. And people will fight for this. They will kill for it. There is more hatred going on in the world because of religious narrowness than anything I have ever seen in my life. I buck up against it all the time. People who have never seen me, who have never heard me, they don't know what I teach. Because I went to India, they think that I'm a pagan, a heathen, uh, devil in disguise, or maybe not so disguised, and the whole bit. It's amazing. Cannot they understand what their Bible says that they follow, that you should love one another as he has loved us, and your neighbor as yourself, and your neighbor is your family, your next-door neighbor, all the people of your city, your state, your nation, and all over the world and other terrestrial worlds also. These are all our neighbors. We don't know them. But certainly there must be forms on other planets. And we should and maybe will one day know them. They may be highly developed, more so than we. It says, and lead us not into temptation. Would God lead us into temptation? That's an interesting thing, isn't it? He's supposed to be all good, all filled with wonder, beauty, glory. Who would ever think that God himself would lead us into temptation? And yet, if he is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, who else is here but God? So perhaps the reason the temptation is put before us is to test us, to see how far along we are on the path, whether we put God first or we put ourselves and the catering to the senses first lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as I've told you before, evil is the word live spelled backwards. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It means that when you have put your human self aside, when you stop catering to the things of the senses and do the things that you know are not right in God, you look inside of yourselves and ask yourselves how many times you have dissipated the Ten Commandments of God, which are basic in every great religion in the world, and know that God knows it inside, and that you're not going to get away with it, that when you pick up your cross, which is your body, and agree to follow the Christ in order that you might be his disciple, that it means to give up the idea of the sin of separation. It means to gradually overcome the desires of the senses and to fix your mind totally upon that Holy One who is the indwelling presence. It means to dedicate every thought, every word, every action to Him. Indeed, His is the power and the glory. The power is God's name, it is the name Om, which we in the Christian terminology they call Amen. But it came from the original Sanskrit word spelled A U M, Om. And it's much better when it's done that way because Amen is two syllables, where the Om is a single word of God that permeates every single thing in this universe. Along with His intelligence, He expressed Himself. And the glory is the light within you. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore let thine eye be single and thy whole body shall be filled with light. It means that you must close your eyes and fix your full attention at the point between the eyebrows. The life force enters the body at the medulla goes straight through to the, the brain through through the brain to the optic thalamus gland and that is the gland that furnishes the light by which these two eyes See the reflection of what is in here not in reality what it is but the reflection of it it is only when you close these eyes which are the two thieves on your spiritual cross even as the two thieves in the senses are the forces of good and evil within yourself on your own cross so also when you close these two eyes and fix your full attention up here as Christ enjoined let thine eye be single and thy whole body shall be filled with light you see the light of God You may see visions in the beginning. You may see faces, but disregard those things. They aren't worth anything, and they are traps to keep you from seeing that greater light. If you will persist, you will see the spiritual eye. It is beautiful. It is gold on the outside, the blue of the Christ or Krishna on the inside, and the five-pointed silver star of the East that is spoken of uh, that was present at the birth of the Christ, is right in the center of that spiritual eye. And strangely enough, that star in the east of your body is right over the manger where the Christ seed which comes from under the sacred claustrum of your brain once every 29 and a half days if you do not dissipate it, goes and is deposited in a conical-like cave behind the stomach. And the word Bethlehem means house of bread in Hebrew. It's amazing when you really know the truth that you can go the whole journey that is spoken of in this scripture and every great scripture of the world inside of yourself. Everyone is born the Son of Man. But he has that infinite spirit within himself that is the Savior, that one who finally will become so purified, so filled with the longing for his Christhood that he will go through whatever is necessary to transform himself into the divine and accept himself as the Christed one, to be heir with Christ and sit at the right hand of the Father which art in the heaven of his own being. This is the glory and the power of God, and it is right within each and every one of us. Why are we so lethargic? Why do we just operate according to our senses and with every mood that comes along? When we can have the inner direction from God every single moment, I shall guide and direct you with mine eye, he says in the Old Testament. What does it mean? It means that you can actually be guided by what you are shown up here in this eye. You have a whole universe inside of yourself. And we waste our time with this outer universe that is the worst mess that anyone could possibly imagine. When we could have eternal bliss, eternal peace, eternal happiness, all the power to bring forth anything. And yet, that power is not ours. It is given to the Christ to use when you have attained the realization of your oneness with him. I'm not suggesting you don't do your duty. I am not suggesting that you don't assume your responsibilities. But I am suggesting that you take him with you into every walk of your life, into every waking moment, that everything you do is for him alone. I would like you to remember these words. It is God alone, God alone. Without him we are nothing, we can do nothing. And this is true, uh, truly our bodies are on temporary loan to the universe. But our soul is of the permanent collection because our soul is the spirit of God within us, and God cannot die because He is infinite, He is eternal. And that consciousness which is you will never die. You may. Take off this gun. You may put on a new one, but it will never die. That life force departs from whatever form it inhabits at the moment, but it still lives. The consciousness of life still is maintained. I know because I've gone on the other side, and I tell you it is the truth. What is there to fear? Have the courage to stand up and be yourself. Have the courage to make the decisions that you know you must make in your life. Because God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you always. And if you will keep this in your mind and walk with the Christ inside of yourself, your little human self, until finally through your supreme effort and your supreme love and longing for Him, you become that, then you can walk among men. You can act like men. You can do all the things that they can do. But your heart is with God. And it will be forever because when you have once liberated yourself from this bondage and you have become a child of the free woman instead of the bond woman, it says in here, then you will have life everlasting. You will not have to come back on this wheel of birth and death except if you choose to do so. And I was told once that I had chosen that. And there are times when I think I must have been crazy. Real. But like Master, I will ply my boat back and forth between the shores of infinity and earth until the last one is absorbed in him again, no matter how long it takes. This is my surrender. This is my dedication to God. I know not what the future brings, nor do you, for any single one of us. But certainly we're in an awful mess now. And the only relief from it, the only safety, is to go within yourself. To learn about yourself. To discover your weaknesses and and overcome them. And you don't do that by concentrating on them, but merely discover them and then put your mind on God, and He will dissolve them and absorb them. Remember that everything in this world is delusion. That God is the only reality. You need not lack for anything if you are always one with Him. Open your heart, your mind, your soul to God and keep Him with you every moment of your life. Mm-hmm. Your whole beings will change never to be the same again. You will walk in His light and be that light. I don't think I've told publicly, I have a few people, something that happened to me a couple of years ago. I was taken down to the Panga Canyon to a um, psychotherapist. One of my students um, was going to her in an effort to get help. And she was a beautiful person. I don't go in for that sort of thing myself. But she was a beautiful person, and this person paid so I could see what they were into. And so she sat there for a few moments. All of a sudden she said to me, My God, who are you? And I said, What do you mean? She says, I have never met anybody like you in my life. She says, You are so surrounded with and putting forth such tremendous power that you've just absolutely dissipated my power field. I can't get a thing from you. Would you tell me who you are and what's something about yourself so I can get started? So I told her I was a minister of God, that I'd been through spiritual experiences and things, and we went on from there. <laughs> uh, she um, was an utterly sincere person utterly sincere and she does a great deal of good i have a great deal of love and respect for her and another person strangely enough that i had met in the apartment i was uh, living in before the one that i'm living in now i moved out of there and this man had been trying to get a hold of me he had written me letters he had called i met him one uh, evening uh, down in the laundry room of that particular apartment house and um, at one thirty in the morning we started talking about god one thirty in the morning, I was sitting up on top of the <laughs> Washington, giving him a lecture and half loaded posture, and he was still standing there listening. So we had dinner a few times, and uh, and we had more talks. And I hadn't heard from him for years, but he had been he had called and found I, I had moved. I didn't have a forwarding address. He'd written letters and had been returned. He went to this woman. He lived down south. One day he was going to her class, and all of a sudden he was directed to ask her if she knew me. And she said, yes. And he said, do you have her address, her telephone number? She said, well, I have her card. I'll look it up and I'll I'll, uh, give it to you. And all of a sudden, after several years, I get a call, a long-distance call over the telephone from this man, telling me that this is the way he had gotten in touch with me. How tremendously God works. And he's been very successful. He said he wanted to contribute to my work which he did. How wonderfully, how beautifully. Now, I didn't do anything about that, except sit on top of a working machine and talk to him about God. But I never miss an opportunity. I never force him on anyone, but if they give me that much of a crack, I'm going to put my foot in and give him everything I have, naturally. I've got the greatest product in the world to sell. The greatest product in the world. Miracle after miracle happens when you go with the power and the glory of God within yourself. Wake up and get busy. I'm going to give Kriya next June, this coming year, to those who are faithful, to those who are 10 I'm leaving very capable people in charge. This is a new thing, and it's going to happen, and it's going to happen a lot, hopefully, because God directs me to spread this truth as long as I'm in this body, as far and as wide as I can. And I expect all of you not to grieve because I'm not here. Naturally, I want you to love me and miss me as I shall love and miss you. But we're always together in Him. But get busy and make the work grow, each one of you. You don't have to have the the title of minister to be a minister of God. But be that in your hearts and make the uh, the work grow. Find that truth within yourself. And then spread that truth to all thirsty souls everywhere. Stay together. Work together. Bring so many people in that are interested in the truth through, through being that truth yourself that we'll have to hire all we will anyway with the people from out of town. We'll have to do something, get a bigger place. That we will have twice as many as we have now. Remember that in Master's autobiography it says that you should give free of freely to all sincere souls. Now that we're sincere, is the important thing. It doesn't say that you have to sign anything, as is being required now. It says if you're sincere, you can have it. If you are steadfast, if you're going to stay with it, because it's a vow that you take before God and Guru, who comes as his emissary. It is a very serious vow, and it must not be broken. The only time you are permitted not to do as you instructed to do is when you are really ill and then you can do it mentally but not physically this is the initiation that will take you by the airplane route to God if you will only use it now some of you have had it several times and still you tell me you don't get results because your mind isn't focused totally on God because you just do it and you get up you don't go in and meditate you don't get the benefit from your mechanical operation. Your mind is not totally on him, and having gotten so many times, surely you must know the right way to do it. It's very, very simple, and it revolves the life current around the spine and through the brain, and it hastens your evolution. It brings on experiences, true, but if you hang on to God, like the kitten cries for its mother, meows for its mother. God will come and he will lift you up and he will save you in every single instance of your life. And you will find the peace, the bliss, the glory within yourself. So I went out of here Wednesday evening, all of you who are here know what a tremendous evening it was. I was, as the saying goes, drunk with the Lord. And when it speaks of the Christ drinking wine, he's speaking not of the wine that you drink. He's speaking of the wine of the Spirit. When he's speaking of food, he's speaking of the food of the Spirit, the sustenance of God, which comes to you every moment of your life. So let's all get busy. Let's become one great family in God going forth to spread his word. Don't force it on anybody, but be willing to give it. But be that yourself so that people will automatically reach out for you and want to know what it is that you have that makes you a very important person, somebody special in God, His emissary, His beloved